We're live. Mm-hmm. <coughs> All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Just me and Craig again. I have to call my own foul. What was your foul? Yesterday, I texted you a really corny Tuesday joke. Yeah. Really bad. I saw it first thing in the morning. I'm like, oh, this is kind of funny. Like, we should try and do a podcast. <laughs> I proceeded for the rest of the day to watch every <laughs> pundit, every actor, everybody make some do dumb the same stuff. Too, yeah. yes. And it's like, I'm glad you we, we didn't record on it. We didn't comment on it, but I did make it. We would have been the basic bitches. Yes. It's, it, the, the interesting part about it is it's a paladin. Mm-hmm. I think a paladin is the name for it. I have no idea. If you spell it backwards, it's the same as forward. Like uh, mom. Okay. Mom, if you spell it backwards or forwards, it's the same word. 222-22. It's all the same. Now, here's where I maybe not call my own foul. Technically, I haven't started the new year yet. I don't think if you say, spell that backwards, it sounds the same. Two, 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 two. That's not spelling it backwards. It's just saying the phrase same, backwards. Same, yeah, yeah if, you, if you repeat the numbers backwards, it's the same as if you read them forward. Yeah. Okay. Like one, five, zero, five, one would also be that. Okay, I got you. So it, it, it's, I thought you were saying to spell them backwards. I, 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 that's why I'm crossing. There's a different word for when if you spelled a word one way or the other, it's the same thing. Okay. So... But to cl- maybe not call my own foul, if we don't start the new year like we suggested until March, a week away, this is 21. This is 2-2-2-2-1. We won't actually have this date until next year on this time. And there's no guarantee it'll fall on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That was the whole thing with it is you've all twos and it's on a Tuesday. That was why the whole thing was a joke. Either way, we missed it, and it's completely irrelevant. <coughs> We're going to try and have Alec back for this big New Year's episode. Um, he's been, between the COVID happened while he was in the middle of buying a diner. Yeah. We don't know the exact, I don't think he's talked about it on the show. About, about what, the diner? Yeah. Um, Have we? Yeah, yes. Do you hear like a buzzing right now? Yeah, I don't know what it is. Is that this? What that is? This is weird. I don't know. Think is it a train? Th- I think it's the heat. What the hell is going on? Well, let's. Okay. Something is vibrating. I think it's a train going by. That's it's got to be right. I don't know. I, I've never. Known. It's gone. Maybe not. We'll just keep going. We'll just keep going. We'll just, <laughs> we just keep, I heard it too. We'll just keep going here. Alec, I wonder if the listeners could hear it. They probably just th- think we're yeah, crazy that's, right that's now. Yeah, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. Um, Alec has bought the yeah, he bought the diner, and then he was in Colorado the last, because my friends who own the farm, they want to talk to him about the diner and try and make it like in all grass-fed mm-hmm. home like you know, you could. Did actually he get find it yet? Though he hasn't told me he I got th- it. I think he does. Yeah. Oh no, I know he has it. No, oh, he bought it. I, it right now, he, he said he was closing. The last I heard, he never so, said. Th- that so he was we call him on Monday and we're like, Alec, <clears throat> we're gonna show up and just start cooking burgers. You have all the equipment. We're just gonna bring the stuff. We have all the, all the meat, everything ready to go. He has no hot water. There's no hot water. Yeah. In so it's one of those. I oh, have, he needs a hot water. I have no. Probably. I have no idea what we're going into. Here. No idea what we're going into. But between that, the COVID. There's no way he bought a place. The baby to be a diner, and there's no. There has to be like it's just got to be that there's no tank. I, yeah, I don't know what to take from it. 
Don't tell you, how, how would you interpret? He needs that? to be here to tell us what's <laughs> exactly, going on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we're gonna try. And, we're gonna try and get him back worked in. Luckily for him, and what we had talked about earlier is this is just a dead time for politics. Yep. Like this really is. Is we have the primaries are gonna pick up over the course of the spring. Then we're gonna have the midterms, 2022. Then that'll go straight into the presidential primaries, where there's gonna be so many. Who knows where we'll be at that point. To try and keep it consistent with the bigger news this week, I guess. Craig, would you rather start with Ukraine or um, COVID? The end of COVID. Um, I kind of I asked why you that. Why Ukraine? Why not? I asked you why that. Not Canada. No, yeah. That's, let's go to COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah, the last the last episode we had, the Trudeau was getting ready to crack down on the trucker protests. Yeah, he did. They had hundreds of people arrested. Um. Oh no! Two hundred people arrested. A hundred trucks impounded, and these their bank accounts have been seized. They're not being given bail. They're treating them like I it thought was they the were Jan getting six. They're really getting treated that like terrorists. Yep, they got no representation. That's one of those things that it's like the Republicans. In retrospect, it would have been nice if the Republicans in Ottawa, after Trudeau decided decided to suspend Parliament, was for them to go out and interview like protect the truckers show them that they actually have representation so this kind of thing wouldn't happen and because this this quells we're getting we're gearing up to have our own freedom convoys the one from scranton for dc just left california just wait there are there's gonna be a Uh, u.s are um, you sure fort pelosi for real they just they've re-put up the jan six fences around the capitol building really the blockade's supposed to go around i think it's i-95 what's the i think yeah i-95 is the big four-lane road that goes past dc that means they, they, I mean, public opinion is not on their side right now. It, 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 it's going to be. They're no, that worried. Wh- who's that worried? If they're putting the gates up around the Capitol and stuff. I think they see what Canada was a, tr- was a, was a dry run. It worked for them. They managed to, to quell it. And now they might even make some extra money. Who knows where all that cash that they've confiscated goes. Yeah, but if, if they're not violent in the U.S., will the U.S. do something? I would have never thought in Canada. That we'd have had pictures of horses trampling women with walkers. Yeah, that's crazy. That cops that weren't kick, doing anything in, wrong, kicking in the glass and dragging but that's a different truck country. drivers out of the. We door. literally let it, I know. we let um, Black Lives Matter destroy cities. So you would think we have so a precedent for letting letting a good bit of mm-hmm. free speech demonstration go to a point where yeah. they they occupied a police building. Like they were burned trying to burn out courthouses. That was actual infrastructure. Right. And this went on for about a month and a week. So and, and mind you, I think they might be able to pull it off. Tr- Trump went out at the time and said, "Bring out the tanks," and everyone was like, "No, no, 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 no. That's way over the top." And they were right. That would that would not have been the yeah, right call. I kind of think I trust the U.S. people. If if the truckers, if that situation happened in the United States and the truckers weren't doing anything, now the other thing, the U.S. government's going to put in um, already, their own people to cause list. problems. So. Even if you go in trying to do nothing violent, something violent's gonna happen. That's where we can play our part. On, that's where we can play our part on this show is knowing what we know about false flag operations. Mm-hmm. You have to police yourself if you show up. Similar, this didn't happen on January sixth, but if you show up and you see someone carrying a Confederate flag, that needs to be policed. I'm not saying call the cops. I'm saying you go tell that person this is not the place for that. We don't want to confuse our message. The beauty of the Canadian protest and the reason you were able to identify the What if there flags, were YouTube videos of the protest that the left deems racist <laughs> and they were beating up the people with the Confederate flags? Wait, say that again? Violence might work in that situation. 
violence on who? What? Like the if you have the trucker rally and somebody shows up with a Confederate flag, if the violence was on that person with the Confederate flag, no, I mean, I, I that I, might solve the problem. I, it, it might. I don't think you'd have to go there. I think you could just confiscate the flag, and that person will be like, if they are a false flag, they're running away. You get charged there, then. Well, I guess they they're no, kind of being protesters, no, you, you, so you can't really. You're reasoning, yeah. You're no. That's why I'm, I'm using police, and that word has negative con- connotation mm. to the people I'm talking to. But I just mean self-monitor. It's the kind of thing that you know for this protest to work, you need one message and one message only to ring loud and clear. Anybody who's coming trying to lump this into a bigger protest, whether it be someone trying to cop it for the alt-right mm. or the more Jimmy Dore perspective of people coming in saying this is about minimum wage. No, 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 no. This is only vax mandates. And anything that is confusing that message is actually anti what the protest is for. So if you see someone out there, we had a discussion last time about like the, Jimmy Dore said the that don't tread on me. The truckers are for min, uh, raising minimum wage. You know, he's saying, why not do this? For oh, he, He's I supporting he the truckers. He's supporting the truckers and taking it to one more logical extreme. Why don't we use this for universal health care? Why don't we use this for police reform? Why don't we? And that's where how they handle this, the, uh, uh, the world will be watching. Mm-hmm. The best part is, is we could just not do it. If you just end the mandate, this protest doesn't happen. You've been given a week in advance. There's no law that needs to be passed. You just need to quit enforcing something that is clearly not working. The reason I wanted to start with this is we had some earth-shattering news from the New York Times admitting about the CDC over the course of the last year. They have been lying about breakthrough cases for people under 50. They have been lying about the actual efficacy of the booster. Mm-hmm. And there's a third one here. Let me see if I can, if they say it in the clip. I'll let the news run it for you. This is Robert Redford. He was the former head of the CDC under Trump Mm. when this all began. He hasn't done anything crazy like write a book slandering Trump. He's also not gone over the top praise. I would say if you're looking for someone in the administration to do an interview, Joe Rogan, this would be the one doctor out of Fauci, Walensky, Dr. Burke. All those guys I'd actually trust. This is him on a Fox Morning show. Former CDC Director Robert Redfield just want to pull this headline for you. It says the CDC isn't publishing this large portion portions of the COVID data it collects on boosters, hospitalizations, and until recently, wastewater analysis. Why do you think they've done this? Well, good morning. Thanks for having me, Dana. Uh, one of the things is that CDC has a tendency to... Uh, look at data and make sure that they believe that data is accurate. They call it curating the data. So very frequently the data is uh, out of sync to be able to be in real time to respond. I give one example. When I was CDC director, the first uh, briefing I asked for was on opioid related deaths. They gave me a great briefing. It was in April 2018. Um, And when they finished the briefing, I asked them what the data was through and they told me it was through March 2015. I said, but it's April 2018, and you know, this is a major problem. We had 80,000 deaths. I'm trying to understand how do we use the data to respond with the public health intervention. And they explained to me that I didn't understand the complexity of gathering the data from the states and curating it and make sure it's accurate. So this is something that's been um, cultural. Let me just emphasize what he said there. This is the director of the CDC, and he goes to his scientists, he goes to his lab experts and says, give me the data. And they go, well, we don't have it yet. 
And it's like, well, I got a drug crisis right now, so I need to know we got overdoses rising quickly. What's the status of the last couple of years? Mm. You can't handle that information. We're not done curating it. Is this a Hunter Biden painting? <laughs> what do you mean we have to curate the science? Give me the raw data, yeah. and we'll all be scientists together. Yeah, why does it have to be just an exclusive group of people? Because it, it wasn't good for boosters. Remind you, for the, we made college kids to get back to campus for the spring semester. You had to get a booster. The science was saying no, mm. but it wasn't curated yet. We weren't mm -hmm. ready to handle the truth. We weren't right, and if this was even the director, Trump's guy, the director of the CDC. Even, they wouldn't even give him the information yeah. to him. This is a bunch of unelected data guys yeah, that are sitting that's around. That's actually like the problem. Curating the information. Yeah. I don't want your curated information. That's this goes back to Fauci when he said, "Don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. Masks don't work. Wear two masks." Okay, you need an N95. He was trying to give us the truth that we could handle. That is not a scientist's job. Elected officials do have to make that choice. Mm -hmm. Our con our congressmen and our presidents, they do have to decide what's classified, what's not classified. Tony Fauci, he has no right to determine what science we can handle and what we can't. Mm -hmm. His job is to take the science and give it to us in a fashion that we don't question the methodology. Mm -hmm. Which, when it goes back to the lab leak theory, which the UK has came out and said is more than likely probable, you commented on the Rogan episode with Dr. Ulsterholm, where every time Joe brings it up, he just doesn't he's so myopic he just goes well i'm only focused on epidemiology mm -hmm. i don't know anything about necessarily the science of federal funding and grants well when you're trying to determine fauci's motives for noble lies his hand in the releasing of the virus is relevant mm -hmm. i know maybe if you're an epidemiologist and you're just trying to track the spread you don't really care about the origins that's fine but if you want to weigh in on public policy public policy is a lot more than just the science it's the implementation. These lockdowns, now you have kids, they're expecting, you're supposed to know, I think it's 50 words by 15 months. They've moved it to like 30 months. Hmm. And they're saying it's one of those things, not seeing people communicating, not getting to see mouths move makes it tough for a one-year-old to try and pick up language. Yeah. Try and understand how is the behind the mask, how is it happening? Because they're not wearing a mask. They don't hmm. know anything about that. But either way, what, what he's pointing out here is, is the CDC has deliberately withheld information that would have contradicted Pfizer's profits. That When I say that, I mean whatever the 50 million people who went out and got boosters under the age of 50, mm -hmm. completely ineffective. And I'll after we finish this clip, I'll play what the CNN's interpretation of this is. Uh, a view of the CDC for a long time uh, that they basically hold on to data until they believe uh, that they're confident that it's totally accurate. The New York Times reported that the agency gave them a statement that said uh, they are, didn't want to do it because they're afraid that it might be misinterpreted as the vaccines being ineffective. I also read in the article that the spokesperson said the data is not ready for prime time. But given the fact that there's so much distrust it might be anti-vax and it's not ready for the network news to be covering it because it's undermined their whole message. Mm. That's all we ever wanted was to be able to look at the data ourselves with our doctors and our family members and make our own decision. Who are you to tell me what information is relevant to the case and what isn't? Give me all of it. I'll curate it myself. I have my own biases, but let, give me that option before you just call me a rube and like throw to the general, you can't possibly understand the science. You might think this means anti-vax. Mm. 
Well, if it turns out there's a lot more breakthrough cases than you originally permitted, and this has not been a pandemic of the unvaccinated the entire time, that kind of changes things up. Mm. Do you want to hear the rest of this? Of me to go straight to the CNN one here now. Whatever you want to do. The, basically, <laughs> is if you are on team reality or what real, which the mainstream media mm-hmm. would consider to be conspiracy, is is this the boosters didn't work. And if you just went and were told to get a booster over the past three months, it didn't stop Omicron. It, it didn't, like, it needs, similar to the flu shot, it's modified every year. The flu shot is modified every year to fit the new variant. Is That's why the flu is endemic and not a pandemic. We've learned to live with it. Some people do die of it. A lot of people do die of it. it it's a bad thing, and you want to try and avoid it if you can. But when you're younger... No, no such thing. But when you get that shot, the reason you get it every year is because unlike measles and the more traditional vaccinations, you don't get inferred lifetime immunity. This is just a temporary that even what the data is currently saying is at best, it just keeps you out of the hospital. You'll still get it. You'll still give it to the gran- to grandma and it'll kill her. Mm-hmm. But it'll keep you from going to the hospital. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. That, that's what we're assuming. Now. If that's that, that would be the reason why the booster was not effective for the Omicron. If your question is, what does this look like moving forward? You don't know the SU. Let me find. Sorry, it might take me one second here. Signs of diminishing returns on additional doses, or is there a concern that I don't know the next booster? For the next booster, we may need it to be variant specific, and so we need to hold out for that. Yes. You hit the nail on the head, right? I mean, the only thing more complicated than the human immune system is the evolution of this crazy virus, right? So we don't know if there is going to be a variant that's around the corner that is going to be so what we call antigenically distinct Mid-term from variant. the current set of variants that it will completely escape the immune system's ability to respond. If that's the case, we are going to need a different vaccination and that won't be the same as a booster it will probably be a complementary vaccine Ooh. so lots of reasons to carefully choose. like the little mints they give you in a hotel room after they make your bed a little complementary vaccine the molecular evolution of the virus in the population emerging variants and keep our tabs very closely on what people are doing from an immunologic standpoint as they get farther out from their from their shots israel's been offering a fourth Israel's been offering a fourth dose, and they've also dropped all vaccine mandates since this data from the CDC that Fox was covering came out. That just that the mandate, if you can't stop breakthrough infections, then you can't mandate you have to take it to go to work. You can't mandate that you have to wear a mask if you're unvaccinated and you don't need one if you're vaxxed. Mm. It's because you could be vaxxed, and even if it does keep you out of the hospital, the reason why it's a public policy is it's the spread. It's not just how it affects you. It's about how it affects everyone else. Mm-hmm. And whether you're vaccinated or whether you're not, you could still spread, get, and or die from this virus. And that is not appearing to change anytime soon. What they've gone from is we went from a vaccine regimen to a booster to now we get complimentary vaccines every year. Free on the house. Just sent to you and they're tailor make it and they move it around. But... That we don't have any flu shot mandates besides in the hospitals, which we've beaten that horse dead. Is that that's the only really the Supreme Court has came out and say the hospital is within its right to mandate the vaccinations. Any other business, specifically truckers, the more closer related to national supply chain that you are, we just can't afford to fire you. 
And right now, this is the time that the Canadian truckers did a lot to highlight this story. Now it's on America mm -hmm. to actually implement this protest and succeed. Right now, those Ottawa truckers are screwed. I hope we can figure out a way to compensate them. Because one of my concerns is that this could quell protests in other free countries. It's when you look at it, something that Ottawa could be lumped in the Jan 6 that easy. And the people, the heroes, that fought on the front lines here and got arrested and actually risked their livelihoods and the livelihoods of their families are not being backed. That's very similar to us in the Ukraine. That's very similar to us in Afghanistan. It could be us in Taiwan. This very notion that if you don't back your protesters, if you don't send them when things get tough, you're not there to help defer the costs. So the United States won't do anything for Taiwan. That, that was, a, I, I think the only thing relevant that we should talk about the Ukraine is, I think on the left and the right, there is no appetite for any kind of sending American troops to defend Eastern Europe. It's one of those, if we don't care about the northern border, we don't care about the Mexican border, why are we so concerned about a non-NATO member that is on the farthest eastern edge of Europe? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a Europe problem. If Europe's really concerned about this, the UK and France and Poland and Italy need to be leading this charge. This is nowhere close to World War II yet. I mean, it was a long time before we actually decided to get into World War II. So it's like, there's, if you're not talking about sending troops, then you're not talking about any serious attempt to curtail what's going on. And I'm okay with that because Ukraine, geopolitically, does not really affect us. Taiwan does. Taiwan is semiconductors. Those are those chips that are going to make all our future electric cars operate. If China corners the market on that and jacks up the price, that can really screw with us when we're already going through stagflation, inflation... Shrinkflation, whatever you want to call it, we're kind of going through all three. Shrinkflation. Shrinkflation is is if you go to buy wings from Domino's right now, They're all instead of getting twelve, no, it's the same price. Instead of getting twelve, you get eight. Uh, that's, so, that's what they call that. Well, it, it, see, now it doesn't show up in inflation, but technically, the price of the wing goes yeah, the from went up. Yeah. goes up about a quarter a piece, goes up about twenty five thirty percent just by cutting serving sizes. When you get instead of maybe getting a quarter pound burger or a, a half pound, burger, you mean eight ounce steak instead of 12 ounce steak that's how they're trying to make so they're not saying the prices technically aren't rising in the inflation sense but you're shrinking the portion size which in effect if now if, maybe if everyone in this our country has we're very we got a lot of weight mm -hmm. extra eating is, is actually a problem as opposed to people not having enough food to eat mm -hmm. so maybe smaller portions isn't bad but if you're trying to feed a family, mm -hmm. those are the kind of things you can't... Splitting an appetizer might not be as easy as, easy as a thing as it was the past. But yeah. that's called shrinkflation. It's, it's something that's kind of written, written in there. What... Uh, oh, the reason I wanted to talk about this is you have... Let me... Right now, if you're just looking at this as an energy war, what does every army need? What does every country need to survive? It is as cheap energy as possible. That's how you get poor people heat hot houses. That's how you keep the, the you can get Alec hot water mm -hmm. in Jeanette is you want to have as much energy as possible. Mm -hmm. Now the U.S. has been going on our Green New Deal quest where we actually closed the pipeline. Now what happens when you cut down on the amount of American oil, natural gas, whatever we're getting? 
the supply goes down, that means price goes up. Well, right now, our sanctions on Russia are to shut down their pipeline to Germany. Mm. We get a lot of oil from Russia. What's going to happen now if we close their pipeline besides the supply goes down again, mm -hmm. which only increases the price? And it's like that that kind of thing. How, what kind of pain are we going to be incurring? Like, like how much how much more can we? We're already almost setting records. I think one was up to four dollars a gallon, mm. three seventy five. I think was the last time I saw. And it's like that. You add an extra buck on top of that because we shut down Russian oil. Here's some. Um, this was Joe Biden. Ugh. Ugh. Russia proceeds. It is Russia and Russia alone that bears the responsibility. As we respond, my administration is using every tool at our disposal to protect American businesses and consumers from rising prices at the pump. As I said last week, defending freedom will have cost for us as well and here at home. We need to be honest about that. But as we will do, but as we do this, I'm going to take robust action to make sure the pain of our sanctions is targeted at a Russian economy, not ours. <laughs> so get ready to take on your patriotic pain in defending the freedom of a non-democratic country. Mm -hmm. Well, don't worry, Joe Biden is going to act robustly, which I don't think you ever use that word to describe anything Joe Biden has ever done. But yes, his administration is robustly going to make sure that this doesn't only help Russia and hurt us. If that's not making you feel a little, don't worry, Joe Biden, he sees inside Vladimir Putin's mind. Yesterday, the world heard clearly the full extent of Vladimir Putin's twisted rewrite of history. Going back more than a century, as he waxed eloquently, noting that, well, I'm not going to go into it, but nothing oh. in Putin's lengthy remarks indicate any interest in pursuing real dialogue on European security in the year 2022. He directly attacked Ukraine's right to exist. Okay, Putin went on, he gave like a, he wrote a 5,000 word paper and gave an hour long press conference explaining that Ukraine has historically been his. Your stance, I mean, there, I've heard a lot of different people's stances to try and water this down for our audience. Basically, there's two counties in the state of Ukraine that are half occupied by Russia, half occupied by Ukraine. Mm. Right now, and they're actually kind of like North Korea and South Korea, they're separated by a demarcation zone, mm -hmm. an actual fence, where it's like, you don't, you guys don't cross here, we don't cross there. Russia moved all their military inside, uh, not all, but a lot of their military inside of the Russian-possessed half of the Ukrainian county. They also moved a lot above the capital of Ukraine, Kiev, mm. Kiev, whatever they're calling it. And CNN basically is a, bit, a larger army than we do on the ground. And the question is, is, is Russia going to take all of Ukraine or are they only going to take those two contested counties? This is very similar to Crimea, where the question was, is did they invade Ukraine if they let the capital stand and they only took a little bit of their land? Mm. And they're claiming that it's always been theirs. And the people there want to be ruled by Russia. So it's like there's not a whole lot of people in the contested ground fighting on behalf of Ukraine if they only go for those couple counties. Mm -hmm. If they decide to go for the whole capital, then that's where we'll get to how that can be important here in a second. But as you can see, 
I don't trust Joe Biden with this. I wish he had consulted with Kamala, who this was her response today. It's ugly. And the allied relationship is such... Think carefully about these words here, because we did this a couple weeks ago, where she put out a, we're going to do what we've been doing, because what we've been doing is for the best, and that... you. She, she's caught a little bit of the Joe Biden. She's caught a little bow to the Biden. Mm. We're getting these little bumble gaffes where she can't do complete sentences anymore. How long is this going to last if she's going to step up and be leader of the free world? Mm-hmm. We have agreed that the deterrence effect of these sanctions is still a meaningful one, especially because, remember also, we still sincerely hope that there is a diplomatic path out of this moment. And within the context then of the fact that that window is still opening, although open, although it is absolutely narrowing, but within the context of a diplomatic path still being open, the deterrence effect we believe has merit. And the allied relationship. The, the deterrence effect still has merit was the ending of that sentence. I'm sorry if you had trouble understanding it. She's wearing her N95. The premise of it is is we haven't. What are the point of sanctions if we do it retroactively? Is It's like the goal of deterrence is don't do this or we're going to punish you. Mm-hmm. If Putin does what we say we're going to punish for him for, and then we implement the punishment and it doesn't affect him and he figures out a way out of it in a couple of years, that's not effective deterrence. And that's essentially what we did originally with Crimea mm-hmm. is we drew a red line and said, don't you cross this, Putin. Don't you cross this. We're going to take you out. He crossed it. And then we were like, well, don't go any farther. <laughs> like, okay. I'm just going to take what I got. And it's like, okay, who's, who won there? And he's kind of, he kind of just did it again. He didn't do this under Trump when Trump was president. He did this both times. You have hunters. We've talked about it ad nauseum in the show, his ties mm. to the Ukraine. You can go back with NATO. Ukraine has been asking NATO to let them in for decades, a, a decade. And they go, no. So Joe Biden says, no, you're not allowed in NATO, but I'm going to send my son. because You're not allowed in NATO because you're corrupt. Mm-hmm. We can't trust your government. So I'm going to send my son to go do business over there. <laughs> and it's like you can t- tie a bunch of countries that took this ve- in, the, in the United Nations that took this very similar stance. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who's on whose team? Who's on his team? But Kamala, the reason I think this is important with her is they sent her in Joe Biden's place to take a meeting with the Ukraine president where she gave this speech. One of the benefits I would think if I'm if, my, if I'm the DNC and my plan is to eliminate Joe is I want to keep Kamala as clean as I can. Like if I can just say all these Ukraine problems are Biden problems, mm-hmm. then if I pull them out, that's not a problem for my new Democratic candidate. If I can put inflation around Biden's head, if I can put Afghanistan around Biden's head, the COVID lockdowns, the weakness toward the teachers unions, you can try and give Kamala a clean sweep by sending her over and then asking her, okay, you got to go talk. She's just, right now, she's she's gonna she's looking as as a dunderhead that dealt in this cause as anyone else. And you have Republicans are the ones being hypocritical. They're the ones who want to send the military. When you go to the crowd, the Bernie Sanders wing, quiet. They actually kind of like this. They don't want to fight in the Ukraine. Tiger Carlson crown. They don't want to fight here. Because if it's just about energy, then there's one easy solution. Open the goddamn Keystone XL pipeline. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we want to get the price of oil down, drill our own oil. That's us in Canada. The little dictator, Justin Trudeau, and 
the robust Joe Biden, all they got to do is drill what we already have that he took out on a whim as an executive order to spite Donald Trump's base mm -hmm. and unemploy thousands of Americans in, in middle America. It's only a solution to the problem. It would help a riff that is only going to be growing. Those truckers, these oil rig guys, they're all like, you're trying, you're getting people at their essence, what they do for a li like, this is their, I don't know. I'm, I'm impressed with what Ottawa did. And I think what we have going forward is going to be effective. Here is why now, if you're Europe, you might want to be concerned. And this is going to be something we talk about on future pod on a couple of future podcasts here. Oh, no, that one for sure. This one. Who don't know this, Ukraine is a top exporter of many, many things, including food like wheat and corn, iron and steel, vegetable oils and other things, palm oils. But Phil, we point out wheat and corn because not only are they just a top exporter, they are number three, at times number four, uh, exporter of grains in the world. The world's dependent. It's no wonder, as one trader told me this morning, it's no wonder Vladimir Putin wants Ukraine back. It is, it is not just energy rich, um, it is obviously food resource rich as well. Yeah, back in the day, you know, during the days of the old Soviet Union, uh, really that was the breadbasket for the Soviet Union. People would have starved in the Soviet Union if it wasn't for Ukraine and the grain that they produced. And we all go back to the Jimmy Carter days where he cut off uh, U.S. Uh, supplies of grain to the Soviet Union. They couldn't feed themselves. That was one of the big things that helped Reagan actually win the Cold War was to try and starve out. When it gets cold in Russia, you have no food. Mm. Same Europe, too. It gets difficult over that whole country because there's a lot of mountains and places like France where you can't have farm ground. Mm -hmm. So when you go back, the reason I thought this was so cool is in World War II, there was a big issue. With the question is, is why did the Germans attack Russia and not go west past France into Great Britain? No farmland in Great Britain. They were running on the way warfare was going to work. If they had to survive through the winter, they were going to have to find some land that they can basically buy, win, take over the farmland, force the farmers to work for you. Mm. You need, what does every army need? Energy, weapons, and food. Mm. That goes back for all of time. Once you run out of ammo, once you run out of food, once you have to start eating the horses, the game's over. Mm -hmm. So a lot of decisions that are made in traditional warfare were all around the food supply. Why is that relevant to today? Because America, since we didn't have a land issue during World War II, we were able to farm and feed all of the armies of the Allies, where the Axis didn't have that ground. The, the Japanese were trying to go into China and take some of the rural China's farming. That's why they allied with Italy and Germany. It's because both of them, they were all trying to find some place to feed their troops through the winter. And their best bet was to try and take Russia real quickly because they want a time constraint. And the only reason that it's relevant is now we live in an age where there are barely any self-sustaining self farms. Most farms are monocrop mm -hmm. where they only do grain or they only do corn. And they have a business relationship with the government where they basically, when, when I say they're self-funding, they can go out and buy the meat and the cheese and the stuff. Like, they don't have a cattle on their farm. Mm. So they'll link up with the dairy farmer, and they'll get subsidized by the government to all basically pull their stuff. Before the Great World War II, it was in the best interest of a farmer to have all of your stuff on hand. Cows, chickens, wheat, um, all different types of trees, apple trees, 
all the different kinds of bushes. Mm. You want to have as big a variety as possible. And that's how you became self-sustaining. Mm. When you go back in the 19th century and the 1800s, a lot of the biggest protests were farmers. Because when you think of a true libertarian, mm. a true person who does not need the government, you provide education, you provide food, you get your own milk. Everything that you need is on your farm. You don't need to be a part of a city. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's in your best interest. You can make a little extra money by working with the restaurants in the city, by working with the castle, by working with whoever it is that provides mass food for people. But the, the beauty of farm life pre-World War II was you're on your own. You, you, get to, you can be a true libertarian. Mm-hmm. And not very rarely did they come to the door, like in, this happened in communist Russia and the Soviets, and saying, you have to give us all your crop. It's like, well, I don't want to sell it to you. I can make it more selling there. You're in our nation. You will sell it to us at the price that we ask you for. And it's somehow that I'm going to try and get to the bottom of it over the next couple of months. This is something that I'm kind of new to. Is how in, the, in w- between the Great Depression, the new FDR's New Deal, and World War II, did we completely nationalize our farming system to a point where the individual self-sustaining farmer went from being one of the happiest, um, most well-received members of our community to a borderline outcast. I mean, just uh, forgot about. We forgot the, the, a, a once prestigious job that has lost a lot of its luster. Mm. And if you think of when if you're listening to Ukraine from that mind state, if it's just the energy, we can compete that compete with that. If you're Europe and you're concerned that Putin getting a whole bunch of new farmland, because he has that issue. He is mm. Siberia. Russia's big. Not a lot of farming ground. A lot of it is completely un, like unlivable. So they need places like the Ukraine that are a little southerner, that are a little farther south, mm-hmm. where you get a little bit better weather and you can support an army that might invade Poland, that might go into Germany. And that, depending on your view of, if you're asking Hillary Clinton, that's obviously going to the DNC. The Warhawks on Fox and Tom Cotton. That's clearly where Putin's going. Maybe he is. We're going to see. I'm not as concerned about Putin as I am Xi. And if um, there is a soft alliance between Russia and China right now mm. in all of Asia, and they decide to take the Russian model to take Taiwan, are we going to sit on our hands like this? I'm okay doing it now. Because mm. I don't think it, this is more going to hurt Europe. If it is as bad, as the as the as the national conventions say it is, then Europe's in trouble. If it's not, if it's not just on us. It's not at our door. Taiwan is. Taiwan directly affects our supply chains. We can figure out the farming situation. We can take care of that. Mm. We have our own energy. As soon as we wake up and just start drilling again, this is probably going to be a twenty twenty two thing. We have those solutions. Mm. Europe's farm problem. It, as you as you might notice, they've gotten a little bit less woke in relation to the Green New Deal. All of a sudden, once it's wartime and energy becomes win or lose, these solar panels aren't helping me, buddy. I don't care how many solar panels you got. This isn't. We need we need energy now. We need to be able to move tanks. We got to be able to build houses. We need farms to be. We need nitrogen to for the fertilizer. We need so much stuff. We don't have time for these ideals. The reason I'm bringing in climate change there. Something cool Joe Rogan did, I wanted to get before the end of the show. During his apology, I say in quotation marks, he said he's going to try and get people from both sides of the aisle. He always does that. Mm. He doesn't always do it back to back. For the climate scientists, he actually did it. 
with this guy named um, Coonan, represented the conservatives. Dressler represented the Republicans. He gave them each like two and a half hours. And they were, I guess, I'd like to have, I'd like to interview Rogan on what it's like sitting through a two and a half hour college seminar. Because <laughs> both of these guys, whether they're left or right, they're, these are college academic professionals. Mm-hmm. They come in with 50 slides and they give it to Jay. Like they're, unlike a Gupta, mm-hmm. when he came in and goes like, what's a Jamie? These guys bring <laughs> these guys bring like a flash drive with 50 slides mm. and like Fauci in a press conference. They go slide 38. Next slide. Next slide. And Jamie's just sitting there like a class eight, like the person that is in grad Putting school. Slides up. Like, oh, my God. OK, Fauci, new slide, new slide. OK, it's like is what makes that slide legit? I don't know. It's a college professor and it's on the computer. Mm. So, I mean, couldn't it's just, be real. He couldn't have just drew it with his hand. This yeah. has to be a real thing. Yeah. And it's like they both do it. And they both accuse the other one of cherry picking. Mm. And it's one of those, like, it, it, I don't think um, if you were predispositioned to support one or the other, I don't think you'd move your needle. I, To me, what is m- most impressive about it is I think a lot of people think they could be Joe Rogan. I'm kind of speaking on my own behalf. Like, what does he do that's so talented? <laughs> he just sits here and talks for two and a half. Brian Seltzer, he just wings it. He just goes on it. To have a wing nut for climate change and against climate change and not get in a fight with them mm-hmm. is difficult. But if you get combative with them, they aren't themselves. Like you have to, this goes beyond comedy. This is an ability to interview. And that a lot of people don't really have is, is to, to be able to take in someone else's perspective without taking it personally. Like, okay, you know this guy is kind of partisan in this regard. Like for the, um, the pro-climate change guy, the liberal, mm-hmm. he was quick to point out that um, inaccuracy in predicting current weather patterns isn't a sign to disregard the science completely. Mm-hmm. And his logic for that is the conservative guy pointed at economic models. So in one hand, you have models predicting the weather. On the other ones, you have predicting the economy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. That's the na- th- These are soft sciences. These are not hard sciences. If when you're determining the long term cost of whether to make a climate change political decision, mm. you have to figure out the social costs. Well, what the conservative would say is the reason why climate change does so much more fiscal damage than it did 20 years ago is because cities cost more. So if you were to hit in 1910, if you were to hit New Orleans with a hurricane, there wasn't as much built to damage. If you were to hit that same exact location with the same strength, once you have all that infrastructure built up, yeah, it's going to cost more. That doesn't necessarily mean that it was a bigger storm or that man's impact on the planet or what caused it to have a more financial effect. It's just that there was more money to be destroyed. The bigger that Miami, the bigger that Florida cities get, when they get with a hurricane, they do more damage. That's not because the hurricane's necessarily stronger. It's because all the infrastructure is worth more. When you took down a one-story building before, it might be a five-story building now. Mm-hmm. A three-story building might be a 15. So, yeah, the number will rise. When you look at that graph, it rises astronomically. In all reality, you have to be able to pair that with what are natural changes and expectations of human wealth. Mm-hmm. So it's like that. It's And, and he, uh, one of those could be is how many people do you think will die of a lung cancer-related like disease? Mm. If we continue to put carbon dioxide in the sky. If you ask Trump, this is where it wraps into COVID. 
it's a big difference of whether you die with COVID or of COVID. Like it, it, there's a big difference between whether or not you can draw an exact causal relationship between smog in this town and someone dying at 52 of a heart attack. Or you can just draw that link that, okay, maybe they had these pre-existing conditions. Maybe they had these comorbidities. Then you throw environmental pollutants on top of it. That could be an issue. How do you determine what the exact cause, the trigger of death is? That's why they both go on Rogan and you got to listen to it and think in your mind, basically. And that's what's cool about if you listen to the Coon, I support Coonan. It's, just, it's not anti-climate change. It's just that we can't tackle problems that are out. Basically, is show me a science or a study where you can fix something small, where you can do something like eliminate this type of plastic instead of telling me that we have to completely disband fossil fuels, that we have to get the whole country carbon zero in 10 years because we know that we can't force India, we can't force China, we can't force Africa to go zero carbon. Free market says that anybody who the best way that a poor country can succeed is cheap energy. So as long as fossil fuels are the cheapest, poor countries, they have to. It is in their best interest. Who are we to tell them they can't? Who are we to tell them that they have to dev- they have to work on this new science as a way to fix that? We don't even know the, an outcome. Mm-hmm. But if we just fix what we can, that has no that has no real impact. So. The, the, it, the solution isn't don't do anything, but it's that it has to be targeted. It's that in order to it, enact an initiative, trying to do some big national plan doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's better to go regional. I, I, I'd like um, when they asked Coonan if he did debate Dressler, he said he would. Dressler was a little bit more cryptic, did not really appear that he would do that type of debate. I encourage the audience if you really if you were if you are actually concerned about climate change and you realize that both parties are trying to bullshit you it's in your best service to go listen to both of these full episodes from start to finish it's very interesting Rogan does a good job of not I, I, I don't know what he supports I have no idea at the end of it I don't know whether he'd side with the lefty or the righty mm-hmm. I think he did a good job of letting both he get, made sure to go through the criticisms Make sure to go through. These are what your biggest haters have to say. But let them expand upon. They're both passionate. They're both good people. Mm. Just like the Goop interview, they're good people. You can disagree with them. But at the end of the day, they actually think they're helping. So it is in our best interest as a government, to, enla- to as a society, to enable both of those conversations to happen. Mm. And that's the best solution is then we all can watch it and we'll vote. And this is going to affect our public policies final subject here that we kind of talked about a little bit more on the last show that I'd like to do two shows a week I'd like one to be a more political rundown and I'd like to be a more, one a more comedy slash mental health is is right now you have a situation where we're all agreeing based off whether it's the lockdowns or the masks or the declaring people essential and unessential the rise of the metaverse we are becoming as we get closer technologically we becoming more distant as a society, and we all. And when you look back at when it, at mental illness, at when a large group of people all are experiencing mental illness, that can turn out really bad for a society. That mass psychosis disorder, 
that's one of those things is you got a whole lot of people with one mental illness and all those people are just looking for something to provide reason, to provide direction, to provide clarity, to um, alleviating the suffering of just everyday life. And if we're all, both Democrats and Republicans will agree, whether COVID caused it or the lockdowns caused it, a lot of people have mental health issues. Mm -hmm. A lot of kids aren't speaking at the levels that they should. If you're a seven or eight year old, you just spent 25% of your life with mask etiquette. Mm -hmm. If you're an 80 year old, you may have spent the last two years of your life not seeing your loved ones. If you're a 50 year old in a toxic relationship, all of a sudden divorce was made that much difficulty, that much more difficult, you got young kids Mm. because it's now the home has become the school. So we have all this going on and we admit it's a problem, but similar to the summer of 2020, when we all go, we don't have a plan to open the schools. Mm-hmm. They're like, if we don't open them, the kids are, they're screwed. Okay, well, they took off, all the teachers took off all summer, news took off, everyone, and we didn't go back. It took another full year to get back to school. There was no planning, we all agreed it was a problem. Mm-hmm. No one tried to fix it. This mental health thing, I think whether you look at it from the decline of nuclear families to the de- decline of church enrollment to defund the police, I guess I'm going roundabout here. The question I want to ask for you is what role do you think the government should play in society's mental health? Um, I know your your gut response is going to be nothing. And that's where you're, you're good for this is, is, is like, that's I want to, for some of these shows, I'd like to get some more non-political people in here yeah. to talk about this because I know the libertarian says, says none. Not, and I want to say, I do agree. I don't want any politician coming out and saying, I'm doing a policy. I'm initiating this policy to fix the national mental health. That sounds terrible. I don't think anybody wants that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the government has our best. No, interest, I so. don't. I don't want anybody in Washington D.C. trying to make a national mental health decision. I think that's where I think it should be handled within like the family unit. Okay. Okay. And I think a good now, now stick with me. Abstract here. A good government encourages stable families. Mm-hmm. Like I think normally where you have the places that so so ours is a bad government. <laughs> Well, that's we're saying, <laughs> no, but no. So, but now we just agreed we don't want our government affect like uh, making mental health policies. Right, right, right. So, how are we going to blame them when we have a mental health problem? And it's like, well, we told them we don't want. I'm them. not blaming the government for it. I'm blaming the news. <laughs> well, at what point? And the internet. At, at what point? The internet is definitely. At, at what the point? Problem. At what point does the government go from helping the mental health problem to being indifferent to actually adding to it? Well, what is a government control? Uh, the healthcare. People. Government is made up of people. They control us? Is that what you said? N- no. What, what is a government made up of? Oh, I thought you said, what do they control? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, why do we elect the government to control us? Like we, I don't know. We, we've made this. If men, I, I don't understand. If that. men were angels, <laughs> I guess, okay. okay. The, the classic quote from, I believe it's John Locke, is if men were angels, then we wouldn't need government. Is ever if everyone made the right choice and people didn't people hurt each other, people still don't make the right choice, and they didn't steal. But yeah, but exactly, if everyone just acted by the Bible, if everyone just followed the commandments and acted justly, didn't wrong each other, then why would we ever want government? We'd all just do the right thing. Why would we ever tell someone else, "I need you to referee a dispute between me an, and Craig"? I'm not anarchist. <laughs> I, sometimes you're borderline libertarian when, you, when, be, you, when, you, when you're going no government. 
Would you go with no government? Barely any government. The, the argument is, is that we'd have anarchy. No. You could still have a police force. Who? And who's going to agree to follow that police force? Well, there would be still law. Like, there's still the justice system. Not if we don't have a government. I'm not saying no government. I get, okay. Uh, th- th- I just don't think the government has a place to be, like, the whole reason tax, the taxes shouldn't be so high. They shouldn't be okay, in all okay, these little yes. government programs. Now, now, now ta- and that's where, so taxes, that's where we're talking the government mental health here. I'm not really talking the taxes route. Well, if we're talking, what taxes, are they going to do? What I'm can talking, the government do other than move money? I, I'm talking, they don't do anything. I'm talking like one of the agreements that our government makes with the church is not to make them pay taxes. So just don't make anybody pay taxes. Well, and don't have all the government okay. programs. Hold up, hold up. <laughs> because me, we a government, if you're going to have one, it needs funded. If it's going to get funded, it's going to be taxes. Why does it need funded? That's why it's I either taxes or conquest. And we can do the invade Canada. But you're either going to tax people or you're going to add more land like Putin's doing. You either figure out a way to pony up more money from your people or you take more money from someone else. Or as a country, in your best interest would be just to tax the crap out of stuff coming in from overseas. That's that's why I was trying to label the libertarian with anarchy because it kind of is, it it puts a wrench in this this, this, uh, debate, this, this, this conversation I'm trying to have here where... Just stick with me on we do these. Let's just assume that our founding fathers might have got a few things right in making a big government. They made a small government. Well, no, they decided to tax people, but not the church. You don't agree with that? I don't think they taxed people. They were everything was funded through tariffs, wasn't it? Well, we made a national bank pretty quickly, a national treasury. As soon as we decided to get national treasury, that's we need. They started the national money. Yeah. Well, in some sense, you needed to start. Aren't there still some some states without an income? In order to have a treasury, you need to collect money. Yeah. So, but there's other. They have other avenues of. There's not a whole lot. Well, now they just inflate them. Well, then look at this way: when we when we fought the Revolutionary War, how'd you pay the soldiers? I don't know. Look it up. I have no idea. I'm telling you, before when we were just a rebel army, we had no way to pay. It was once we won. The government would collect revenue to pay back all our soldiers. They paid them back. They were effort. I mean, they were just like now. You have there are a lot of people that argue our troops are never actually funded for the work they put in. Then you go back. There were some probably. There are some that were. Some that weren't. That but it's because a lot of them decided to put their own freedom on the line for that war. They knew that if they lost and Great Britain took back over, they were going to also probably end up in some type of bondage, prisoner of war or enslavement. So there was that that wager. I'm trying to think of a better word for it here. But do you see what I'm saying though? With any a military needs funded. The income tax was in 1861, so our founders didn't. No, but okay. In taxing wh- when, our when was the treasury? When did we become? When was there become a national treasury? I think it was the early 1800s. I want to say it was Jefferson. After Jefferson was against it his whole life. He ended up realizing, like, if you want to fight a war, you need money. When we, like, when they... Uh, Federal dollar. Like, yeah, 1789. Okay, so, and that's when we got an... That's when we all... Yeah, they have to make money. I'm not... Against, I know the government... The only way government can do anything is if they take money from somewhere. But don't take it directly from your income. When you make money, and it devalues the worth of your dollar, so your retirement money doesn't buy as much as it would, it's taking it from your income. Yeah, I don't think they should do that either. Well, that's what we're talking here. 
We're talking an ability to raise an army. They if, weren't if you taxing want, your income if, then, though. If they you, were not doing that. If you want to get all these states on board, you what they needed was some states agreed to send um, food. Some places agreed to send weapons. Mm-hmm. Depending on your state was your contribution. But either way, the decision to move into government is on the, of the understanding that you need to get a military. You wouldn't do it if you didn't need it. Like everyone would rather just be their own independent farmers and have free market. I don't think everybody would. If you didn't have concern about your borders and your property rights. So prior, rights. so originally when the dollar was created, the way they funded government was using tariffs and imported products, and hasn't changed that much. Taxes on like whiskey and stuff, so they'd be taxing beer and stuff. True. So they didn't tax your luxury income. tax, tobacco. We do it with sugar. We do it with a whole bunch of stuff. What was it? We the tobacco molasses. Tea Party, we threw everything in the harbor. But that's not even, like... So they're tariffs on imported products. They're not even taxing you when you go buy stuff. The citizens are are not, like... They're not directly paying. It's all on the back end. No, and... and, and But now we do both. The insufferable... Now it happens everywhere. The insufferable (laughs) acts was Great Britain was trying to put extra taxes on stuff Americans wanted to sell all over the... But why can't we fund the government this way and just eliminate a bunch of the stupid programs we got? That's what a libertarian... (laughs) Okay, but it's... uh, I, you'd have it's like an onion. You can't just go in and fire the military because they're all deep state. No, the military still needs funded. We can still do that. Yeah, but I, I, what organization do you just chop completely off? Or do you do you phase them out? Uh, Planned Parenthood. <laughs> that's not that's not EPA. Obamacare. That's no, but see, those are acts. Those, those are things that can be done quickly. I'm talking these actual what, what is draining agencies. the government the most? Other than these the military. government military agencies. Is, so you got to cut back on the military for sure a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's we're, we're definitely blowing money all through, all out. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Well, I, was, I had a product. I, I, and we, we're not even paying the soldiers. We, good, I, I, I need a non-libertarian in here to approach this subject because a libertarian. I, I get your mindset, and I don't disagree. I don't want the federal government dealing with mental health because at the end of the day, where I think that ends in them confiscating your guns because they think you're crazy, and that's what a government that is concerned about mental health and that and they were actually tasked. With that as their draw, that is that as their um, the area they need to focus on. That that's where we're at, and that that would that would be a disaster. But as so, far as what I wanted to say with the church is is the health re- programs government could get rid of that. The re- okay, <laughs> I'm going through a list. I know, of no, hold up, hold up, hold up. The reason why I was giving benefit of the doubt to not charging the church's taxes while still charging your citizens is it is believed. That the church provides a men- similar to a nuclear family, similar to why we give tax breaks to married couples, is because it's better for the kid. And if it's better for the kid, it's better for society. The fact that like a kid could get a good education, that they can be, and when you think back pre um, our national teachers union system, mm-hmm. it's the church was often the place that provided orphanages and education for the common folk. Like, if you were rich, you had your own tutor. Or, and if you were poor, you either went to an apprentice or you went to some version of a Catholic school of a lecture hall. Orphanage is, like I said, a place where if parents could not afford to raise their kid, they could send their, they could put their kid. And the reason the government gave them tax exemption Mm -hmm. was under the logic that they're giving back more to the community. That by letting them thrive, whatever that church may be, whether it's Scientology, whether it's a mosque, Mm -hmm. Whether it's a synagogue, whether it's a Catholic church, a holy roller church, whatever you want a different type of denomination you want to do, mm-hmm. the goal was is any faith 
is going to make for better citizens. And better citizens require less government. The, the, the healthier, the better, the better mental health that a society has, if they're fed, if they got roofs over their head, if they got a future paycheck to count on in a family that they love, in a community that cares about them, mm. they're probably not going to commit crimes. They're probably going to be willing to fight for this country. They're definitely going to be willing to be a contributing member of the community. Mm. So it's always good if the government can just let people be mentally healthy. When they come in and start declaring people essential, unessential, you can't work here, when, and why. All of a sudden, the government, the government became a source of mental health anxiety. Mm-hmm. When in reality, I'm not saying government should be fixing the mental health problem, but a, the best tell, the best symptom of a good society is mental health. Good mental health. Mm-hmm. Is that people aren't questioning, why am I here? They don't feel some drive to shoot up a school or do some drastic action to make themselves noticed mm-hmm. or to be like a serial killer and get to be known for something infamous. A healthy society does not encourage the public to have those thoughts. That doesn't mean people don't have those thoughts in a healthy society. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at the mass extent to which we have a drop in church, we got a rise in divorce, we got a rise in obesity, we got inflation, we got the border crossings and illegal immigration. When you start compiling all these up, we don't we look mentally ill. And to me, that's just a hotbed for who knows whether it's going to be mandates and tyranny in Canada. Mm-hmm. Who knows what the, what the psychosis will cause a bunch of des- increasingly desperate people to do. And the more it appears that the DNC doesn't have a, anyone leading them, someone will. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that will be, but somebody will figure out a way to do this. I don't know if you did. Sorry, I, I went on a little bit of a rant there. I'd like to do one of our, like a separate podcast we do a week. Mm-hmm. Just kind of on this subject. Batteries. Oh, we dying? Mm-hmm. How, how much? So we should call it. Do we have one more? Can I have time for one more clip? Go for it. School board Risky. walking out. This is a Virginia school board. This woman starts showing pictures of a school board member that she posted on Facebook without a mask on. She kills it. The school board member walks out of the room. Just so you get the visual. Yeah, I saw it. Well. We're taking the power out of your hands and putting it back with the parents. The listener has not, and they still can't see it. And listen to you guys preach to us about Governor Northam's executive orders and how we must follow them. You guys remember that? We do. So here's the governor that comes into office, but yet you don't want to follow his orders. Why is that? That makes no sense. And it makes all of you a bunch of hypocrites. Here's a picture of you right here on Facebook with a crowd of people... That's it. With no mask on. Uh, this is Excuse my time me. and I don't know to you. Here's another picture no. with you with a new mask on. I'm sorry, Ms. Vaught, you are done. Can we have a police officer, please? Oh, boy. You should be able to say her piece. I've had to listen to people come and criticize me. That doesn't make it right, Jamie. You're right, but I had to say... Those are my... That's my family. That is... Our, that's fine. What do you think about our family? I am not. Our family has been suffocated. Damn. Just a small sample of what I believe is going to be coming to a lot of East Coast, Midwest school board meetings. This critical race theory, uh, the gender theories, this mask, it's hit every single... It's here at Hempfield. Mm -hmm. Hempfield has first graders right now picking what their gender is. I don't know how that the, the parents that I've talked to, these are not politically active people or they don't know what to do. 
it's one of those they, they don't know how to speak out because they don't want their kid to become a pariah. But they don't want to send their kid to a school where, similar to what I was talking about government and mental health, is, is I'm not saying the school is supposed to fix mental health, which I think they think that's their role now, mm-hmm. but they shouldn't be adding to it. You're not supposed to get more confused when you go to school. And for a lot of people that have, if you don't have a nuclear family, if you don't have a church to believe in, mm-hmm. ideally you want the school maybe to provide, because that's when that a kid in that situation, if you don't have a church slash community, mm-hmm. if you don't have a tight family, you have a single parent that has a drug addiction problem. How does that, who's going to say, how does that kid not turn into a criminal? I would think, hopefully, a school system. If if the school system doesn't work, that's why we have a penitentiary system. Mm. That's why I want to say with, like, expand your notion of mental health. Because if you think about the cops, why do we have police? It's because we have people with mental health issues. And there's not traditional ways of helping society aren't, aren't working for these people and locking them up or helping them get the treatment that they need it's probably best case scenario. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode here. There's a little bit more ranty. We didn't have as much time. I'm hoping Alec will have him back for the New Year's episode. I think I, th- I think it's everything.